Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. We're going to talk about a really important subject today, Joel. Um, This is something we deal with often as we help folks transition from performance-based religion to um, a relationship with Jesus. It often does a mess with families, particularly with spouses and marital relationships, when one starts to change their faith belief. Right. You say, we've dealt with this multiple times. I, In fact, just within the last week or two, I had a person write one of our support groups or write our ministry. It was from a, um, an LDS woman who was transitioning out. But here's what she wrote was this. She wrote, I am overwhelmed. I have adult children and a husband who are TBM, uh, true believing members, and three younger girls who I want to protect. I feel trapped because I don't want to miss my children's weddings. Gets into the whole temple marriage and who can attend and who can't. I'm also terrified of losing all faith if I go too far down this road as I see so many um, on some of the ex-Mormon pages. So this whole transition in faith just raises so much tension and at times fear. And I often hear people say that, right? I'm not quite ready. I don't think I'm quite ready to give up Jesus, right? And I get on to these other ex-Mormon sites, whether it's Reddit or whether it's on Facebook or some of the websites, et cetera, chat rooms. And folks seem to be hostily anti-Jesus, right? Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, And there's a whole bunch of folks in that transition time that haven't quite made that decision yet, whether there is a God, whether they need to leave him behind. And the decisions they make in that regard certainly are going to impact their closest relationships at home, particularly with the spouse. So, yep. So that's why we encourage people to stay open. Um, Jesus and the Bible were around long before Joseph Smith. And so there's this core of truth that still um, people can hold on to. But today we want to look at this issue for those people who are in that marriage where they've come to see things that whatever their performance-based religion is, they can't believe it anymore. They, they found things that they realize aren't either true historically or there's teaching that they know isn't biblical or isn't truth or there's things that's been covered up that they've discovered. And they've lost faith, not necessarily in God, but in their religion. Um, in the organization that they followed for so long, but the spouse is still all in, still totally committed. So how do you navigate that tension? How do you interact and relate with a spouse? And so, and we've got lots of stories and we've got, there's some real clear biblical teaching on this that we want to talk about to just give people some guidance on how to navigate this. Cause this is, can be really tense, turbulent waters in relationships. Well, I think what the Bible says a lot of people don't know, and they might be surprised about, right? So if one of you believes in in, and walks with and has a relationship with the biblical Jesus, 
The other one chooses to stay in performance-based religion or leave it and go to atheism. What, what kind of advice does Bible give people in that situation, Joel? Well, we've got um, a couple of key scriptures that speak directly to this. Probably one of the clearest is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, but in verse 12, this is what Paul writes. He says, if any brother, referring to a believer in Jesus Christ, if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. And if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. And it might be helpful to uh, look at the context of this. Paul's writing to believers, uh, many of them new believers in Corinth. Uh, it was a city that was under Roman governance. It was, formerly, it was a city in Greece um, that the Romans had taken over. It's kind of considered a hybrid community. But you've got international trade hub. It's culturally and spiritually diverse. There's a whole number of multiple pagan religions. Um, probably the most prominent religious site was the Temple of Aphrodite, who was the Greek goddess of love and life. But then there's the also a Jewish heaven community. in the Bible, right? The mother of heaven, kind of, kind of like the Mormon. <laughs> yes, exactly. For the, yeah, for the yeah. Greek in the Which Greek is not pantheon. Not a good thing in the Bible. Not a good no. thing. No. <laughs> so, but you also, but there's also a Jewish community because the first place Paul goes when he preaches is the Jewish synagogue, mm -hmm. and we know from I think it's Acts that the Apostle Paul stays with Priscilla and Aquila, who are a Jewish couple who are also believers in Jesus. So you have a very mixed community, huge range of people of ethnic, economic, and especially religious backgrounds. So there's a very high probability that a lot of the new believers, the people in this church, um, were themselves in this sort of situation where one had come to faith, but another hadn't. And so he says, hey, if you have come to faith and your spouse is willing to stay with you, even if they're not a believer, then you need to stay with them. Yeah, God highly values marriage, doesn't he, Joel? Yes. Um, I, I thought when I was Mormon that we kind of had the corner on the eternal family. But what I found in helping people transition from Mormonism is um, sometimes folks in the Mormon faith actually think divorce is okay, right? If someone's leaving Mormonism and the other person wants to stay. But in biblical faith, according to Jesus, yes if the unbeliever is willing to stay you need to stay together you should stay together now does this mean that you're better than that person or that you hound that person about what you think is true Abs i mean absolutely not because we know that the whole emphasis of grace is that grace is when we receive something that's amazing that's wholly undeserved and so wow. believers should first and foremost be the humblest of people in terms of recognizing who we are without grace. And now who we are with grace doesn't make us better. It just makes us recipients of an amazing gift that we want other people to be able to share in. Um, and we, we kind of saw this in one of our previous interviews with Grant and Hillary. I think just the couple previous episodes, we'll link to it in the show notes where Grant had this happen. He was an all in priesthood holder, temple worthy, LDS man and his brother encourages him to do some research on the book of Abraham and it upends his world. He starts going to a Christian church and exposed to the word. He ends up giving his heart to Jesus. Meanwhile, his wife is still very much a committed woman and he, you know, he sticks with her 
<laughs> and and, uh, and as I recall, he was not sharing with her from the beginning, which is interesting how different <laughs> different couples deal with this, right? right? Sometimes as you're learning truth, you're trying to shove it down your spells. Other people will go for six months and never say a word. And then right. their mind has gone so far in another direction. Um, when my son challenged me to begin to begin to read the Bible when I was Mormon, I asked my husband to do it too. And so oh, we began okay. to do it, but we weren't doing it together. We were doing it in bed at night on either sides of the bed separately. Right. Right. But um, we were at least kind of making the journey in a personal way. And I think we have to give people the space to do it personally, right? right. To do it with God or not with God, but um, to have that journey on your own. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to have conversations, but certainly if you've come to Christ, those conversations with unbelievers need to be positive. Yes. And you need to present reasons for belief in God rather than reasons to leave where you are. Right. I don't really care if people leave where they are. I'm not that concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is that people learn truth, that they exactly. become hungry for the Bible. And then you're on a journey that's your very own with God. Right. And, and I think that's such an important point because I think at times people who do become believers, and we've seen this in our support groups and the people that, you know, I worked with over the decades, that there's almost a sense that, well, now that you have the truth, you need to, you know, share everything. You need to almost, you know, force it. You just need to make this a daily point of contact. And yeah, vomit. Take, I call it vomiting. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. And yet there's really very little in scripture that would support that idea. Um, in fact, when we look at relationships and the apostle Paul later on in this passage, he gives the reason why you stay and he says, the reason you stay is because you bring a sanctifying influence. You bring a holiness influence into your family as a believer that in a sense covers, now it doesn't guarantee salvation, but it covers your husband. It covers your children. And I was a little puzzled by this passage and kind of what he's saying, because we know that it's got to be personal faith. And so the fact that a wife becomes a believer doesn't automatically believe that her husband is saved. But what Paul seems to be getting at in just some of the research I did is there was uh, there was this understanding within pagan, pagan religious cultures that if a spouse wasn't of the same mind, they could taint and adversely affect the religious status being approved by the gods, being accepted by the gods of their mate. And so there was a lot of divorce in Corinth. There was a lot of divorce over religious grounds because of this. In fact, one of the issues we know he was dealing with from his letters is this whole idea of um, sexual relationships, even with, within marriage, and where people would, they would stop having sex with their partner, even if they were married, afraid that sexual intimacy would also taint who they were religiously and spiritually. And Paul writes very clearly, I mean, he gets really I won't say graphic, but he gets very plain in terms of what he says. And so this is his sense. He's saying, no, far be it from the pagan or the unbelieving spouse bringing negative to you. You are bringing positive to them. So you stay. So here's one of the things I've noticed as people come to Christ and there are differences in marriage, marriages. The more God begins to work in you, 
right? It's called mm -hmm. in the Bible, sanctifying process, more the Holy Spirit teaches you and you walk with God yes. and you get to know the word you begin to change your outward behavior changes because your inward thinking is changing. So the Bible says that the Bible renews you day by day, your thinking is renewed. So as my thinking was changed, hopefully my actions were changing. And so that positive chain of actions on my part literally does influence my relationship with my spouse. And I've, I've seen often spouses or other people in the family come to be curious about Jesus just because of the change that's happened yes. in that new believer. And that's the, that's the way to influence or help change someone's mind, right? right. Is, is, the change that happens in you, you can't change anybody else and you certainly right. can't force them to change, but you can allow the Holy Spirit to change you. And that change then is influential because people notice it. Which I mean, is the perfect entree into the second main passage that deals with this, which is um, from Peter. So it's first Peter chapter three. And again, the context culturally is you've all these people who have been the diaspora because of persecution, They've been flung to the far ends of the earth. You've got believers now living in communities of non-believers. You've got the new church growing. And you've got, once again, one person in the marriage coming to faith. And so um, Peter writes, and he starts out writing to wives. He ends up writing to both. But this is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, it's verses 1 through 6. And again, we'll link to it in the show notes. He says, wives... In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And he goes on to say, you know, this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God would adorn themselves with inner beauty, with an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So, I mean, here he's making that very point. You don't have to say anything. The very way you're living your life, the difference can potentially win over your husband. Um, because, and I would say that goes the other way. In fact, we know many stories where our husbands, and I think in our interview with Grant and Hillary, I think it was in the second segment, she says she noticed the change in Grant. She noticed how he was being different. And that intrigued her and that opened her um, to truth herself. So we had a, we, we interviewed James and his wife, a lawyer from Hawaii last yes. summer as well. Mm -hmm. That might be another episode people would want to look up where they talked about that faith walk between spouses. You know, a couple of years ago, I was babysitting for my grandkids on it's the so south much side <laughs> of Salt Lake. And a desperate man got a hold of me and he happened to live not too far. And he came over to my son's home to talk to me. And the issue was he had given his life to Jesus, right? And his mm -hmm. wife was just hysterical, crying all day, every day, saying she wouldn't hear a word. She wouldn't, she didn't want to hear what he had to say. She was never leaving the Mormon church. Um, that she was so culturally and emotionally attached that she didn't want to hear anything he had to say. Well, that particular, as I recall, that particular wife took about five years 
but she did wow. too come to faith in Jesus. And when she did, she was really lonely because all of her friends, all of her neighbors, everyone she had known, she had been, you know, really tied up in the female culture of Mormonism. Yes. And she was having quite a hard time and then struggling with, okay, are my friends more important or my husband more important, right? And so walking through all of these relearning experiences that we yes. have when we come to know Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's very hard. And it's why we're really blessed today because there are so many avenues, there are so many things open to, especially people within the Mormon faith community. And you and I work, you know, beyond that, but that's certainly where both of our ministries have had a significant emphasis, you know, over the years is within the LDS community with LDS people. So what's interesting, what I think, what, one of the things I'd like to have us share is, you know, we have these passages from scripture that say, you know, you need to stay, um, but then how do we interact within our staying? What should kind of guide us? And so um, as I was looking at us talking about this, there were a number of things that scripture says, what is, what's God's call to us? And in that very same passage in 1 Corinthians 7, one of the reasons that Paul gives for why the husband and the wife both should stay with the unbelievers, because God has called us to peace. So not to make waves, not to create tension. And he says, you know, who knows if by staying, your husband or your wife might become saved. Now it's no guarantee, but he does say we're called to peace. And I read that and I immediately thought about uh, Romans 12, 8. And I couldn't remember the reference, I had to look it up. But the verse that says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And I think that applies within a marriage context, um, especially. But that can be hard to do if one of the spouses is hostile to the newfound faith, this new belief in Jesus, and your unwillingness to accept the previous religious structure as true anymore. I don't, I don't think being peaceful means you don't necessarily have the hard conversations, but you do them in a way that's humble and respectful and within the guidelines that your spouse is comfortable with, right? right. And that you're right. It all goes to the heart. Very often we think, well, if I just use the right technique, if I just find the right arguments, if I just find the right historical evidence, the right biblical mm -hmm. evidence, I can convince them. And no, it, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction. Um, somebody was writing in one of our support groups just within the last two or three days saying, I went for years. I read the Bible and it's like, it just bounced back off me. It didn't get into my head or my heart because I was so blinded by the performance-based religion I was in. And it's like, now, now I see it, but no one could have convinced them until the Holy Spirit did a work and so, yeah, that humility, that patience, that willingness to be respectful, that's crucial as we engage, especially within spouses or within families. I think one of the things we believers often need to remember is that we've chosen to accept the Bible as our word and Jesus as the one that we follow. But, yes. but other people who haven't made that decision, you can't, you can't tell them they're wrong for not doing this, right? Because they haven't <laughs> submitted to that authority. That's not right. something they've accepted. And they're not going to accept it unless they find a reason or the spirit <laughs> and the spirit convicts them, right? That, that they somehow need that or need to know that thing. 
So we certainly cannot just shove it down anyone's throat. And we have to recognize where people are and respect them where they are. And you right. can make a sound argument, but that won't necessarily move them either. There has to be a spiritual, it's both a spiritual and an intellectual process, I would think. Yes. And what you say goes so, it goes so to the point of within, and again, you know, we're talking within an LDS community context, which you were a part of. It's not uncommon for when one of the spouses comes, goes to faith in Christ, stops accepting Mormonism, stops wearing their temple garments. The other spouse now feels like their eternal marriage is in jeopardy. And when they go talk to their bishop or they go talk to one of their other ecclesiastical leaders, we both know anecdotally, even if it's maybe nothing official on paper, it's not uncommon for that spiritual leader to say, you just need to divorce the person, move on and find yourself a worthy LDS man or a worthy LDS woman because they are now jeopardizing your spiritual. And even though the Bible says very clearly, hey, if the other person is willing to stay, stay, because in this case, the Christian would be the unbeliever to the Mormon now, they will go with what their spiritual leader says, even over and against the Bible. And, and one of the things I try to get people to stop doing is going to that authority, right? As they're <laughs> yes. transitioning, they just want to run there because they're, they're so used to that. Two, two examples you brought to mind. One, Mike and I spoke in Idaho several years back. A gentleman came up, young gentleman came up just mauling afterwards. He'd given his life to Jesus. His wife left him within a month. He was divorced and gone. She had gone wow. to her bishop. That was the bishop's advice. And they had several children and that marriage was done. I uh, had another one. This one was in Utah County a few years ago. I'll call him Bill. He, he calls me. It's funny. He, this, this is what he said to me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't put the Bible down. <laughs> I thought, okay, the Holy Ghost has been working at this guy. He doesn't even know what's happened to him. Right? Yeah. His wife went to the bishop to complain that her husband was questioning her faith. And that bishop set a date for him to move out. Right. This was like the day after Christmas wow. he was supposed to move out. So the wife and the bishop set a date and we just kept saying to the husband, Who's working? Who's paying the mortgage? Whose home is it? Right. And he's hysterical, right? Because he thinks he has to do what they say because he loves his wife, right? And we just kept saying, stay, right? This is what the Bible says, just yes. stay. So the peace that we were just talking about from um, 1 Corinthians 7, that peace is not just being peaceful to someone else in relationship. It's you finding that peace. It's yes. you being at yes. peace with the fact that you've come to Christ and that you're a new creation and that this might change your spousal relationship. This might change everything. And yet trusting God, walking it out and having that peace and just projecting that peace right. um, is something that's, that's all, that often draws people to Christ. Right. That quiet confidence, um, that trust where normally they would have been totally out of sorts, to, you know, their life thrown into total chaos, that quiet confidence can speak really loudly. Yeah, I, I think when I was in a performance-based religion, I spent my entire life trying to control my family. I thought that was my job, right? To control myself so that 
<laughs> everything was in neat little boxes and everything looked good and all of the commandments were followed. But that I also saw that my spouse did that and that my children did that and that I needed to facilitate whatever I needed to facilitate or yell or do whatever in order <laughs> to make that happen. Once you come to Christ, it's this, excuse me for using this word, supernatural experience where something happened to you that you can't even explain and you don't know why. But as you walk with God for a while, I think you look back on it as a miracle. And then you realize that people only come to faith if, if God reaches out and draws them to Jesus. John yes. 6, 44 says, Jesus himself says, no one comes to me, right? right? Unless the God who sent me draws him. So the God draws people to Jesus. He's doing it 24 seven. He doesn't have a body of flesh and bones. So he doesn't have to eat, sleep and have sex. He's continually at his work of drawing people to Jesus. And that is quite a miraculous thing. And it's not something you can force. Right, yeah, or like you say, or control. Well, this has been really good. I'm thinking that we're probably close to time for this episode. I'd like to pick this up because there's there's other verses, um, other things that God has called us to. And there's a couple other examples of people that I know uh, one couple who, it was 10 years from when the wife came to faith in Christ and said, I can't do Mormonism anymore. And her husband fortunately didn't leave her, um, but it was 10 years till he came to his own personal faith in Christ and they were they were finally unified spiritually again. But I'd like to talk about that in, in the next episode as we follow up on a part two with this. So, well, thanks so much, Lynn. Hopefully this has been helpful to people we want it. We want people to be encouraged. We want to provide some you know, biblical guidance and insight. So to all of our listeners, thanks so much for being with us. We hope that God guides you and keep praying. Never stop praying. If you're the believer in the relationship, keep praying for your spouse that God will draw them as only he can. Grace and peace, Joel. Until next time. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.